Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as Swell. Jack's flaming head must have set off the store's automatic sprinkler system. Now I can add pneumonia to my other problems. Here to provide analysis for that line and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? You know, I went to the beach, James B., and I was having a great time, but I broke my toe. And so Bro- I've like been in broke my, like, like my tiny like broke, toe. Broke? Yeah, I've been like limping around. It's, you know, it's it's my smallest toe. It's not oh, like no. like Spider-Man in this book. He does receive an injury. And you're you're giving away some spoilers in this quote, I think, James B. <laughs> <laughs> I just said Jack's flaming head. That doesn't tell you anything. Uh, okay, all right. I'm sorry that your your baby uh, your pinky toe is injured there. According to Vigilante from Peacemaker, that's the most important toe. You could just fall right over without it constantly. Really? Well, that's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> Google it. I, so. I I've managed to do a lot of things with my broken toe, but I, this is the only bone I've I've broken it once before. It's the only broken bone I've ever had. So hopefully your injury doesn't prevent you from doing the summaries today because we got four books to cover. The first one is from July of 1985. Stanley presents Amazing Spider-Man 254 with great power. Dot dot dot. Written by Tom DeFalco, penciled by Rick Leonardi, and inked by Joseph Ruinstein. The police are fishing the Hobgoblin's battle van out of the Hudson while. Aunt May plays some poker with her housemates. Aunt May is still unable to forgive or even talk on the phone to Peter Parker after learning he dropped out of school. I think dropping out of school is a good enough reason for Aunt May not to talk to him, so I support her decision. Agreed. Uh, While the battle van is being transported, a shadowy figure enacts an elaborate plan to steal it, assisted by a well-supplied and professional criminal crew. The thieves successfully lift the car and begin to inspect the van. Over at the Bugle, Peter has trouble selling his photos and gets a call from Nathan, imploring him to make a surprise visit to Men Bridges with Aunt May. Unfortunately, Spider-Man gets caught up trying to stop the battle van crew, and just when it appears he has the upper hand, a shadowy figure comes flying in on a glider, and it's... Jack-o'-lantern. I was absolutely fooled by this second appearance of Jack-o'-lantern. Who knew that he had a crew this big and was this organized? Yeah, uh, well, using one of my all-time favorite modes of transportation in Left Street Spider-Man, <laughs> the Pogo platform, Jack-o'-lantern attempts to lure Spidey away from the battle van and succeeds. As Jack puts some civilians in danger, he yells, I'll give your regards to the Hobgoblin, and Pogo's away. Yeah, Spider-Man wonders if this was like a taunt, or if Jack-O-Lantern is really working in some capacity with the Hobgoblin. He doesn't really know. Peter arrives far too late to the lunch he was supposed to crash with Nathan and Aunt May. Nathan gives him a tongue lashing for neglecting his aunt. Ah, oh, James B. In this book, Jack O'Lantern is so silly, like he always is. I like how his pumpkin head shields him from the hardest of Spider-Man's blows. Like, there's a functional purpose for that pumpkin head. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to just being a big, super heavy, dumb-looking thing. <laughs> Eddie, on page 19, Spider-Man calls Jack O'Lantern a, quote, professional international terrorist, close oh. quote. So there, 
It's true, he says it. Uh, and speaking of international villains, from August of 1985, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 255, Even a Ghost Can Fear the Night, by Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, and Joseph Rubenstein. A geriatric burglar, the Black Fox, attempts to make one final heist before he retires. Unbeknownst to him, he's been set up by the Red Ghost and is soon subjugated into his service to steal things. This allows the Red Ghost to remain unknown in the city. Uh, Spidey comes across the aged Black Fox and the Red Ghost's monkeys calamitously robbing a jewelry store. Despite the monkeys breaking many objects, Spidey tracks them back to the Red Ghost's apartment. With the police, he scares the Sapiens and their master off. We end with the mysterious figure standing next to the battle van, plotting a trap for Spidey. Uh, you know, James B., not too much going on in this book I was terribly interested in, but I noticed that the black suit is moving around his apartment while Peter Parker is asleep. I, I'm so intrigued by the black suit. Everything it does I find super fascinating. So, Well, I enjoy the interaction with Black Fox awkwardly leading the apes around <laughs> and how Spider-Man had to fight them. I actually thought that was really good. I would have preferred... If this was tied somehow into the current Hobgoblin plot, like maybe the Hobgoblin was running things here as well, I think that would have made this more meaningful. That's why I think it makes things... If Jack O'Lantern is really working with the Hobgoblin, those books become more important to me. Yeah. Uh, but maybe this next book will be tied into the storyline. And that's from September of 1985. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 256, introducing dot, dot, Puma by Tom DeFalco, Run Friends, and Joseph Rubenstein. Uh, Spidey and Black Cat are enjoying breaking up another fencing operation. I have to pause here, James B., because this is the third reference to a, quote, fencing operation. And I, I, I didn't know what this term was. I kind of vaguely looked it up. Let me help the listeners out in case they're confused. A, a fencing operation is when someone purchases stolen goods knowing that they're stolen for very cheap usually, and then tries to resell them. So, you know, like, oh, the box fell off the back of the truck. I'm going to mm -hmm. buy it for a dollar and then sell everything inside for a lot more money. Uh, well, anyways, Spidey and the Black Cat are breaking up. Actually, they, let me interrupt. You did, thank you for explaining fencing to us. I think it was, that, was, oh. that was a valuable lesson. Great. Well, uh, Spidey and the Black Cat are breaking up the fencing operation. The Black Cat photographs Spidey's acrobatics, we found out in this book that for the second time, the cat has taken better pictures than Peter Parker. Because when Peter turns him into the bugle, they're like, oh, these are some great pictures. And this this bothers Peter a lot, actually. Yeah, we keep getting this reoccurring storyline that says the black cat's taking pictures and Peter feels guilty and he's a little annoyed by it. And everyone thinks the pictures are great. They're great because he's not being shot by an automatic camera, <laughs> yes, let's be honest exactly. here. Uh, another thing that keeps coming up is that Peter is tired in this book, and they make a point of emphasizing this. It's kind of implied that the suit might have been going out at night. It's They give you like a panel or two, and then they kind of cut away from it. So I'm wondering if Peter is going out at night and the suit is controlling him. Or I, there is a possibility the suit's out there by itself, but he could be inside of it because that's why he's really tired. I know we've discussed this a little bit. And I'm, you seem to be ahead of me on this storyline and going, of course, that's what it is, Jamesy, but it's the first time I realize it. So give me a break. Well, uh, back to the fencing operation. The Rose was running it and he's not happy it was broken up. So he hires an assassin to kill Spider-Man, but without the Kingpin's blessing. 
The assassin is the Puma, who with one attack wounds Spider-Man. We end this book with Spidey crumpled in front of a pile of bricks before a leering Puma. James B., you want to tell us uh, about the Puma and what he's like? I'll do a little bit of it, and then you can fill in the things you think are important. He he dresses like Kraven the Hunter, although he has the ability to like change into a puma the way that someone could change into a werewolf. Yes. He seems to be able to control when he does this. So I, I think he's like a regular guy who's like, oh, I'm going to just hulk up and become the puma. <laughs> There's definitely a whole honor thing there. He thinks that Spider-Man's a thief. So because of that, he's like, I have to stop Spider-Man because he's a thief. Yeah. But there's nothing that shows him as like a murderer or a villain. I'm sure this is going to become a problem somewhere down the right. line that he's going to have to. Uh, I don't know what else you want to yeah, cover there that I didn't Well, mention. you nailed it when you, he's like Craven the Hunter. So many different ways. Honor. He has this ability to kind of smell out Spider-Man and other people and creatures, which is going to be a big problem here in the future, James B. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, well, he's also in the last book. We're going to cover today, which is from October of 1985. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 257, Beware the Claws of Puma by DeFalco, Friends, and Rubenstein. I got to say, Eddie, too, before we get in this book, this book seems to be more important than all the first three books we talked about combined. So take your time with this one. All right. Uh, as Puma grabs Spidey by the head and prepares to strike a death blow, he is kicked to the back by the black cat. Puma attempts to attack the cat, but makes several clumsy errors, giving Spidey and Black Cat time to escape. They head back to Peter's apartment to recover. Peter has trouble taking his suit off, and Felicia reminds him that he needs to go see Reed Richards (laughs) to get it examined. Yes, even the listener is probably starting to learn that by now. (laughs) Also, Eddie, the book reaffirms the suit and the Black Cat's powers here quite a bit. Puma was hired to kill Spider-Man, and that is all he will do. He is not going to kill anybody else, but he'll kill Spider-Man because Spider-Man is a dirty thief. There's also a segment letting us know what the Kingpin is up to. Oh, my God, Kingpin's everywhere. (laughs) He's in Marvel Team-Up. He's in Peter Parker. He's here. It also includes a Daredevil plot line. The Kingpin is busy lifting seven-foot-long barbells with one (laughs) hand while using his other hand and talking to the Arranger. Do you see this shot? It's amazing. 300 pounds of muscle. It's not fat. Uh, After Peter settles in, he's wounded at his apartment. Felicia, who can't stand Peter's apartment. Nope. Heads back out to swing around town. Seconds later, Mary Jane Watson arrives at Peter's door. But when Peter's spider sense begins to ping, he pushes her out the door just as Puma crashes through the window. After panels of apartment fighting, uh, Mary Jane finally forces the door open, but only after the battle spills into the streets below. During the fight, Puma reveals an extraordinary aspect of Peter's alien suit. It's organic. Spider-Man saves some bystanders at the cost of injuring himself badly. Puma deems it unworthy to fight an injured man, so he departs. How convenient. (laughs) Meanwhile, in the underworld, the Kingpin was displeased. The Rose had sanctioned a hit on Spidey. Kingpin tells Rose to call it off. So Puma goes home with a pile of cash 
while Rose, who sees no other way to overthrow the Kingpin uh, at this moment, gets an unexpected visit from... The Hobgoblin! When Peter eventually returns back to his apartment, he finds Mary Jane waiting. She is relieved to see him and reveals that she has a secret, and it is... She knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Whoa! James B! The Hobgoblin's back. Mary Jane knows he's Spider-Man. There's so many things going on in this book. Yeah, you got the black suit out out at night fighting, and it's organic. Organic. And Kingpin's running running around. He's thinking how he's going to double-cross the Rose, who's going to double-cross him. Oh, this is this book is so good, huh? It is such a good book. And I got bigger news before we talk about all this, Eddie. <laughs> don't don't tell me the bigger news is the sponsor. Is it James? The Pete? bigger news is our sponsor. Oh well. <laughs> all right, let's do the sponsor. I'm all hyped up. Of course, this will keep me in a good mood, right? Well, Eddie, it couldn't be more relevant because Eddie the Rose wanted to eliminate Spider Man uh-huh. because. He was disrupting his operation. Right. That was making it difficult for the Rose to raise his monthly revenue quotas. Agreed? Yes, correct. Well, now the Rose has a new product, Eddie, formerly of Vanessa Fisk and Montgomery J. Bliss. That's right. The Rose is leading the summer 2023 as the producer of the new advanced formula, Eddie, of the 36-hour Big Bald Boss Cream. Eddie, experts say it's important to keep a big, bald head clean, moisturized, and protected from the sun because any irritations will not only bother you, but they will be visible to everyone else. Irritations like not making your quota. Remember when the kingpin was lifting a barbell with one hand, but he still looked like a boss? That amazing look he had was from 36-hour big, bald boss cream. Remember when he told the Rose, I do not choose to have Spider-Man killed at this time. The Rose agreed quickly because the Kingpin had no dryness for 36 hours straight. (laughs) One application lasts that long. So become your own big boss and buy yourself some new Rose brand 36-hour big bald boss cream today. Wow. I mean, the the big news just keeps coming again and again after this podcast. This is a crazy (laughs) podcast. It's back again. The glean from that man's forehead puts me in so much fear. Right? Wow. You know, I mean, I guess if a product keeps coming back this time, this many times, uh, it, it would be valuable. I, I'm just having a little trouble. Uh, Believing it lasts 36 hours? Under- don't, don't, don't <laughs> think it's, it's true, Eddie. 36 hours. Uh, can I take a shower with this? It's going to still gleam my forehead. Do you uh, really need to, Eddie? I mean, you, you don't need to do anything for 36 hours. Well, do you still have the 24 hour? Like, did you buy a lot of it? Do you have a lot of it stocked you know, up? But you need, I'm not even sure what your situation my, is. My here. daughter's got all these uh, slimes that she really likes to play with. But all right, that doesn't seem relevant. They, they're in jars like the boss cream. I don't know if that right. counts. It's something like it. All right, well, speaking of the rose, it seems like the rose and the kingpin, they have some kind of little bit of a agreement that they're working together, yes. but not really, right? The Rose is not happy. The Rose is very unhappy that the Kingpin shuts down his attempt to uh, kill Spider-Man. 
But the rose works for the kingpin, agree? Because yeah, he has a he quota does. to make for the kingpin. Right, right. He's like under his thing. And the kingpin's like, no, you got to do it my way. So, yeah. and Spider-Man was thwarting his operation. Like, no surprise. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's I can't believe the kingpin operates like this. It, it seems like he would understand that putting a subordinate in a situation where they can't make his quota and also can't deal with the problems that are... <laughs> Messing up the quota. I, I don't know if the Kingpin's purposely setting the rose up for failure, because that's what it seems like to me. So, Well, the Hobgoblin shows up. Yeah. Tells the rose, like, hey, look, I'm here. Yeah. They're, they're clearly we- going to plot to overthrow the Kingpin, since, like, right. the, the, the rose's top-level goons advisors are like, are you going to take that? And he's like, well, I can't do anything right now. And then, <laughs> gliding on up, Hobgoblin's like, hi. <laughs> And you think the Hobgoblin's going to be like, oh, and do me a favor, don't kill Spider-Man, I need him? I, it's going to be one of those ones, like, if anyone's going to kill Spider-Man, it's going to be me. <laughs> you <laughs> well, know that. Be, I mean, do you think is the reason that Kingpin doesn't want Spider-Man dead because he needs him to take out the Hobgoblin? Yeah, I think so. I think the Kingpin right? sees Spider-Man as an asset that can be manipulated because he's the Kingpin. And that's what he tries to do with everybody. I, the only time we've really seen the Kingpin get, like, 100% uh you know messed with it successfully was when felicia stole that weird reactor from him that doc ock and the owl needed way back when so true and when his and when the kingpin's wife said like no more killing true or i'll leaving yeah like, but that, that def- i guess that's true that's a yeah it's a known kind of conflict he has in his life whereas felicia just outwitted him 100 percent Speaking of known, Eddie, it seems like we now know that the suit is organic in issue 257. Crazy. So what does that mean? That means it can act on its own. That's why it's moving around the ground. I'm following it so closely. Uh, When you were talking about it was alluding that it was going out at night, well, they say it's looking for its target, which I don't know. Is that Peter Parker? It was unclear what the target was, so... A lot of great mystery there. One thing that doesn't seem to be a mystery is who's Spider-Man. At least to <laughs> our, this is like our fifteenth person, right? Every other every other book, someone finds out. I'm going to write a bugle article about it soon. As soon as Joe Roberts Whenever... not editor anymore, they'll be like, "Hey, let's write this article finally." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you think? Do you? Th- I mean, it seems to us that people could figure this out. Do you? Do we assume I, I, I have you read the next book already? Yes, right? I have not read. I haven't read. I have not read all, it either. Actually, okay. So, so I'm going to assume that. I mean, what's Peter going to do here? His choices are either to say like, uh, uh, no, and then she's like, well, why did you do the ten thousand things you've done that make it look like you're Spider-Man, right? He's, he's, yeah, he's got him. Is he just going to? Is he going to just give this one up? I don't know. There's I think something he, weird could happen. You know, like last time with Deb Deb Whitman, she was like, oh, ha, 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 ha. that was such a good attempt to. Make me less crazy, you know. But he just gave it up to the black cat in like five seconds. He's like, hey, look, I'm Peter Parker. And he didn't, why wouldn't he just give it up to Mary Jane? It shows his mental state that he's like willing to finally talk about to other people that he's. Right, he won't tell Aunt May. He'd rather Aunt May be super mad at him. He won't tell her. But That's because he's worried about her health though too, you know. Oh, yes. You know, it'll affect her soft heart. (laughs) As opposed to (laughs) dropping out of school, which is making her heart stronger. Yeah, right. Yeah, thanks a lot, Peter jerk i I, he's uh, he's gonna he's gonna have to tell her that's just the everybody knows so they're gonna make it more obvious right right 
Eddie, we, we had a couple weeks ago, we dropped the episode that was Amazing Spider-Man 252 and 253 when he just came back with his black suit and nothing was going on at all to the point that we had a really tiny podcast and he was doing nothing. He was at a football game trying to take pictures and yep. some guy was fixing games and they had a new quarterback and then like, oh, he can't be the quarterback. I mean, that was what Spider-Man's life was like. This book here, though, has got everything we wanted in it. Wow. So it's very, just, It's the best book we've read in a long time. We, find, yes, we, it, we, hit, we hit the endings of... So many plots, you know, that have been moving along very slowly and casually. So, I slowly. predict, I predict the next book. I've I have no knowledge. I don't know. I predict though, it's going to be one of those like, peaches swinging around. Thinking, yeah, exactly. What am, you know, it could be to, it could, right. It could very well be like, wow, it was really hard, you know, to fight Scorpion after what happened to me in the last book. And it's, That's exactly and it's what it's going to be. It's going to be like MJ. She's like, I love my modeling contract. There's going to be no mention ever again. about. No, no. There'll be thought, there'll be thought bubbles. Yeah. He'll, oh, yeah. he'll be like, what am I going to do about confronting MJ again? Or what am I going to do yeah, about... Because he doesn't have to deal with, like, a lot of the storyline doesn't involve him. It's only the MJ thing that's indirect. He doesn't know about the suit going out at night. He doesn't know about the rose and the hobgoblin. So as long as he can sort of get away from that MJ thing, he can probably just deny it in the book and then go off and fight Guy Mean Joe or some other jabroni (laughs) for a book or two. We'll see. Average Joe. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know where this is going either. So, wow, that was good stuff. Eddie, if people uh, want to send us non-spoilers, uh, letting us know how they feel about this book, how can they reach us? You could email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or, Eddie, they could also join us on Discord by looking at their phone and scrolling down a little bit, and, and it tells you a description of this podcast. There's also a link, and you just click on it and uh, join our Discord channel and jump in there and you know say, hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah, what a great idea. We'll be happy to see you do people join the Discord. Yeah, I just jumped in there because I knew you have no idea how to explain it either. So. <laughs> sure. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B. joined by... Eddie! And remember, listeners, a few people know who Spider-Man is, including Professor X, Daredevil, the Black Cat, Madam Web, the kid who collects Spider-Man, the ghostly FBI agent in Marvel <laughs> Team-Up, apparently the Puma, Mary Jane Watson... I mean, Eddie, who doesn't know? I think Mrs. Muggins knows. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Everybody knows who Spider-Man is. Yeah, quite a few people. I, I, how can the Kingpin not know by now either? Right, for being so smart. He comes across, they write him in such an intelligent manner where he's like Machiavellian in all of his, you know, schemes and things and just sees everything through and through. So he's got to. A, a spider tracer, really? I mean, that's all you need. Yeah. Or a puma, a puma follow. All you need is puma. He sniffed him out back to his apartment. Um, speaking of other villains, we did see Jack O' Lantern. <laughs> do you think he's actually working with the Hobgoblin? Yeah, I do. I think he was just operating. Is like, is the Hobgoblin creating his own Sinister Six? He's going to have like the Rose and the Jack O' Lantern, picking well, his own be group. Good. I like that, James B. What a great idea! So yeah, are there any other? 
D level villains running around that we can, that we can uh, get maybe, our hands maybe on. Maybe backlash. <laughs> <laughs> He's done trying to make his mother proud. 